Welcome to the Home Class Movie Chat, the place to get into all things movies. We'll leave no genre untouched, from romance to horror, adventure to comedy, and everything in between. We'll cover the good, the great, the bad, and the can I please get the last two hours of my life back ones you really wish that you could forget. So grab your popcorn and soda, sit back, and relax. It's time for the Home Class Movie Chat with Cat and Paul. Welcome to the Home Class Movie Chat Podcast, a place where we talk about good movies, bad movies, and everything in between. At the end of the episode, we will give a rating between zero to five movie reels. Zero being how do I get the last two hours of my life back, to five being as soon as the credits are over, I'm watching it again. Also remember to follow and subscribe to Home Class Movie Chat. It really helps the podcast to grow. And if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends about us. I'm your host, Paul, and with me is my co-host and wife, Kat. Hello. Just before we get into the movie, if you want to get in contact with us, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Home Class Movie Chat. We're also on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Podcast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, and now Spotify. And I think our Twitter handle is Movie Chat 3 rather than at Home Class. Yes, Movie Chat 3. Yeah. Yep. We've got to make sure to tell people the correct place to find us. Yeah, Although on, on Twitter, if you do put in Home Class Movie Chat, it will bring us up. Yes, it will. Um, I also meant to mention the last time we were actually, because we did Birdemic last week, that um, we are we are really and truly a, a married couple. Yeah, we're we not are. just people that are saying, oh, we're married, or this is my wife, or this is my husband. We are actually a married couple doing this. Yeah, we are. And in fact, that's why we started doing it is we thought it would be fun to do something besides just sit and watch the movies together. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's one of the appeals of us is that people can listen to degrees of difference in the, in the way that we actually look at the movies. But knowing the fact that we can't leave each other. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't like what you say, you don't like what you say. Too yeah, at the bad. end of the day, We're... we still got to go to bed together. <laughs> yep, we got to go to bed, still got to live in the same house with each other. So this is where the advantages of being a married couple doing a podcast comes into it. Yep. I can have I can have my ideas, but it's like, okay. So what movie are we getting into today? Today we're doing the what was it, 1995? Yes, it is. Movie of Outbreak. Dun dun dun. I know with the current state of the world, I thought we thought this was actually a really great uh a great topic and a great movie to watch. Seeing yeah, the it, it, with, the, with the pandemic going on and the fact that able, people are now getting their COVID vaccines. And in fact, this is to celebrate the fact that Paul got his first COVID vaccination on last Friday and still has a sore arm. So he wanted to talk about it in relation to the movie Outbreak, which is about a potential pandemic and how that was handled. There are parts of it that I thought were a little out there, but a lot of it, I thought was actually kind of terrifying with how easily something like this can happen. Well, certainly the way it is with um, the current situation of the pandemic is that, you know, I, I didn't want to get the um, the shot because like a lot of people with even with my flu injection, I always have that idea of like, oh, well, you know, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. But I don't re don't react very well to my flu in, uh, flu shots. You know, the times that I've actually got them, I've been very sick after getting them and I've just basically outlawed my whole idea of, of doing that anymore. But that being said, knowing 
people who have had it personally and we've lost people to COVID, we know how serious it is. And Paul, as a frontline medical worker, we wanted to make sure that he was as protected as possible. Plus, he is a very loving, wonderful husband, I have to say, on so many levels. Oh, isn't that lovely? But one of the main reasons he did make the choice to go ahead and get the vaccine, aside from protecting himself, is actually to protect me because I do have some health issues and I am in a higher risk category. And he wanted to do everything possible to make sure that I'm protected. So he got his injection I'm getting mine in another week or two so we will be a fully vaccinated household in the near future yeah and I just found that it was you know as much as I didn't want to have it done and and the sickness that I went through with having it done um, I feel that it's better to for me to be able to protect my family and having it done I, I understand protecting myself but this from definitely protecting my family and keeping me around for a while so and that being said the process of getting it having it and reacting to it really wasn't that bad no it, it certainly the the consequences outweighs the actual um injection the injection is mild compared to what you could experience if you went down the covid path of getting sick yeah. okay so that being said let's get on to the movie that's why we decided to do outbreak so the film stars dustin hoffman renee russo morgan freeman and donald sutherland and also co-stars cuba gooding jr uh kevin spacey and patrick dempsey was released in 1995 and it was classed as a medical disaster film. Not bad. Um, originally, the budget for this, this was actually uh, rather interesting. $50 million was the budget. It actually hit at the box office $189.8 million. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's a fictional story of a Ebola, sorry, a Metaba virus outbreak in Zaire and later a small town in California. And just for something for in interest, the film released in March to the 10th and with a box office success, Spacey won two awards for his performance. A real life outbreak of Ebola virus was occurring in Zaire when the film was released. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It, wow. it actually was happening the day that they released it. Wow. So I was like, okay. I okay. also find, I also love the beginning of the, the movie um, where you've just got a black background and it says the single biggest threat to man's continued dominance on the planet is the virus and it was done by a, a doctor a, a Nobel laureate and that is that is very much um yeah we can fight pretty much anything except microorganisms exactly i yeah. mean to try and think to yourself that and as as um as, as dustin hoffman says in the movie you know you've got to love it it's simplistic situation we are three times or ten times the size that we we are, we are ten times the size of it and yet it's beating us we're 10 million times the size or of whatever it. the size is yeah. the fact is that we are we you know and it and it kicks our butt yeah exactly so people that sit there and go oh okay well you know these things yeah this could be one of the the things that would take us down as a um as a planet you know mother yeah. nature can only do so much but if you've got a virus and once again and we're not going to harp on the covid situation but you know when you've got something along, along the lines of it falling out of uh wuhan and went through the world i mean i mean look at how fast that happened that was in the space of like four months it went worldwide yeah and if they didn't get on top of it and get all the vaccines started and trying to work out what the hell's going on with this we could have been locked been down for 10 years worse. yeah hmm. i mean we all live with viruses throughout the world but something like that yeah so something like the metaba virus would definitely um destroy the world yeah 
1967, during, uh, so they went out to, um, in the middle of the African jungle, a virus called Metaba, which causes a deadly fever, is discovered in the African jungle. To keep the virus secret... We're talking about the movie now, folks, we are talking just about to be clear. <laughs> U.S. Army officers Donald McClintock and Bill Ford destroy the camp where soldiers were infected. Now, what did you think about this beginning of this situation? What did you think about them doing something that radical? It was interesting because they... I actually kind of expected it that when they saw the plane coming and they're all cheering going yay you know they're bringing whatever they're and they dropped they're going to be being uh they were going to bring medical supplies for them yeah exactly and they ended up napalm not napalming but essentially napalming them yeah. and just wiping everything out and they thought that they had contained the virus <clears throat> and I, I hate to say it but it it, it especially in the, the context of a film that didn't surprise me. We really? also watched them take the blood out of the infected soldiers so that we knew they still had a version of it. And at the time, they they don't really make much of it. They make it look like they're going to be testing it or whatever. But as it is military, it would make sense to take something that deadly and try and weaponize it. I mean, that's what that's what they believed that they were. Yeah, and do. and that was the idea was to take this and weaponize it because other countries were looking at generating chemical and germ warfare, so it only made sense that they had something on file for that. And whatever this was was virulent. It was incredibly deadly. Hundred percent infection. Hundred percent death rate. And it was a matter of three days for people to get it, show it, and die. But do you think that the, re the, do you think they were justified killing those people to try and contain it? I would never say that something like that is justified as someone who does value human life, but I can understand why they would because they wouldn't want it. I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's just, I'm not saying it's correct, but from a military perspective, it's expedient. It's going to keep it from going anywhere and it's going to keep anybody else from finding out about it. Yeah. I mean, my, my thoughts were if they just draw the blood and because the way that was most of the, the, um, the village was dying anyway. Well, I know and that's, were... that's the thing is rather than just letting people suffer, I mean, you could look at it. I'm not saying it's right, but you could look at it of everybody that's there has been exposed. They're all going to die. So let's just keep make sure it doesn't spread anywhere else. So basically like a mercy killing. Yeah, because, you know, it's essentially like later in the film where they took all the bodies that had that had stacked up in in California and stuck them in a barn and lit the barn on fire. Yeah. You know, it's just a preemptive crematorium. Yeah. But I mean, that, that being yeah. said, I don't know. I don't know whether nuking the, uh, or napalming the, the village was the best course of action, but you know, no, but you know, like I said, I, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and cursed with the ability to see like multiple sides of issues. Yeah. You know, so I can, I can understand why the military would do that. I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm just wondering whether the COVID situation was a military experiment gone wrong. Let's not get into that. <laughs> 28 years later. Yeah, the, general... the last thing we want is the FBI knocking on our door, honey. <laughs> okay. 
28 years later, Colonel Sam Daniels, played by Dustin Hoffman, he is a virologist. He's sent to investigate an outbreak in, in Zaire. He and his crew, Lieutenant Colonel Casey Schuler, which is um, Kevin, Spacey, Kevin Spacey, and the new recruit, Major Salt, which is Cuba Gooding Jr., gather information and return to the United States. Ford, now Brigadier General, and Daniel's superior officer dismisses the latter's fear that the virus will spread. So they go to check a um, an outbreak, and what happened was that when they got there, they found there was a, a man that said, well, you know, don't worry about it. It's not airborne, but you've, you've come too late. The, the village is dead. And Colonel Daniel says, well, can you tell me exactly, you know, how it started? And he goes, well, you know, patient zero. And he said, a man that was working on a, uh, like a, you know, like a building roads into um, Kinshasa came back and was already showing symptoms, but drank from uh, the well in, in the village. And then it spread throughout the village and just, yeah. Which would suggest that it then became waterborne from him touching the water. Yeah. And then he said um, that they just basically spread through the entire village and the village is basically dead. Um, and the incubation period, as you said, was correct. It was, was three days from the day, from the time you actually, you know, exhibit, you know, um, symptoms until the day you do, you die. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how quick viruses can spread. And I think we've all, no, from even just the flu. I mean, I had swine flu and <laughs> I went, I was nowhere near any pigs or things like that. That, that was right around the time that this movie came out, wasn't it? Uh, swine flu. Yeah, I think it was 95. So yeah, I'd, uh, no, I think it was about 97. Yeah. Actually, no, it was actually later than that because Xander was born in 2001. So I was, no, it was 2000 and around about 2002. And I'm sure your son appreciates you telling the world how old he is. <laughs> oh, well, if he listens to it. But um, I remember that I got swine flu and my ex-wife got swine flu, but our son didn't. Thank and God. I was so very grateful for that because that is probably the, the sickest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. So viruses, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's interesting that, um, you know, the general, General Ford, which is Morgan Freeman, basically dismisses um, Daniels and says, oh, you know, I thought you said it was contained. He goes, it possibly is contained, but, you know, uh, there's no guarantees. Yeah, because he, he was trying to get the CDC to put out a... No, no, that's sorry, that's later. He was. He was trying to get the CDC to put out No, no, because we didn't know about it yet, because at that point, we thought that everything had been contained and that that was done, but then we saw that the monkey, they had... Cap now, I don't still quite understand how the monkey got it. Okay, no, you just got to go back a little bit because remember, um, Daniels comes back from and he, he goes into the brigadier or into Morgan Freeman's um, party and he says, you come in here smelling of dirty socks mm -hmm. and you want me to put out an alert for the CDC. He said, now remember, he said, in whatever year it was, right. you predicted the hunter virus and he you said, and, and, and it was, I was, and were you wrong? And he goes, I was wrong. And he goes, and in another time you were wrong about something else. He goes, yes, I was wrong. He goes, so this time, what do you think? He goes, I could be wrong again. He goes, but it would be better to err on the side of caution, caution. and put out an alert. And he goes, well, I'm not going to put out an alert on a hunch, Sam. It's not, I'm not just not going to do yeah. that. Now, yeah. as far as the monkey goes, the monkey has the antibodies. It's got the virus in him, but it's also got the antibodies as well. I know, but it never really explained how the monkey got to that state. What do you mean? As far as having it? Yeah. I think it's probably just born with it. Yeah, I know, but it just, but it's like it wasn't near the village. It wasn't, you know, I just, I don't know. No, but it, well, it, it may have been, and we, well, we don't know that the the person who originally started this might have 
come in contact yeah, so with all, all we know is that there was a monkey that was captured in Africa that was shipped out. Yeah, I'm coming to that part. Yeah. Yeah. So a white-headed capuchin monkey that is host to the virus which, is... Which, by the way, is the same monkey that was Ross's monkey in Friends. I didn't realize. It's the I, same actor monkey. Considering I didn't ever watch Friends... Well, that, that's irrelevant on your point, but no, no, people but I... will be interested to know that the really cute monkey that was Ross's monkey on Friends is the same monkey that played this part in Outbreak. Are you sure? I am. Oh. It is. It's the it same would... actor monkey. Wouldn't be another monkey? It's the same monkey, because I right. remember them making a big deal out of it when this movie came out that it was the same monkey. Okay. So it's a white-headed capuchin monkey that is host really of the cute. virus and is smuggled into the country. James Jimbo Scott, played by Patrick Dempsey, a worker at an animal testing laboratory, is infected when he steals the monkey to sell on the black market. Actually, he wasn't infected when he stole the monkey. The monkey was being a little turd sitting in the back seat and it spit water all over him that went in his mouth. That's right. And he goes, oh, you little shit. Yeah. But now keep it clean. This is a family show. Right. Every time we do a, a podcast, you say the same thing. Well, that's because you keep swearing. I'm not swearing a lot. Goodness yeah, but me. swearing is swearing. So, yeah, so he... he well, that was gross okay. when the monkey spit all over him. Well, by the time he actually gets to sell the black market, I'm guessing he's already infected because he was... Uh, the monkey spat into his mouth when he was on the way there. Yeah. To Rudy's. Yeah, exactly. To the so, store, yeah. So it really was that he already had the virus. Yeah. Um. So he tries to sell it on the black market. Of course, Rudy... Or Ruby. Rudy, Rudy the sorry. pet store owner. Rudy is the pet store owner. He says that he wants to find a male and a female because the... A person wants to breed them. and he already has one monkey. That's he's already female. got one male, and unfortunately he's bought another male. No, well, it was a female, and he brought another females. female. Right, so he's got, and he goes, I can't sell that one because I'm still waiting for a male. Yeah. He goes, oh, really? Okay. Um, so the monkey scratches the pet store owner. Yeah, so he fails to sell the, the monkey to Rudy, who also becomes infected because as he jumps out of the cage and goes onto his hand, he scratches him. Yeah. And he goes, you know, well, I, I can't sell this. And look at this. I'm, I'm bleeding everywhere. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. So basically, you know, go. Get out of here, you bum. <laughs> the pet store owner is in the coastal California village of Cedar Creek. That's this, where. This is the, a key point. This is the key point. We should really tell people that these things contain spoilers. Okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, after releasing mon the monkey in the woods outside of the nearby community of Palisades, he develops symptoms on a flight to Boston and infects his girlfriend, Alice. Their illness is investigated by Dr. Roberta Keogh. Reflects, is, infects the girlfriend once he arrives in Boston because this girl is stupid enough to kiss him when he looks like crap. Uh, he, he looks he looks more than crap. I mean, he looks... He looks he like is, death warmed over and she's standing there making out with him in the in the yeah. airport. It's like, how stupid are you, chick? He looks like he's dying right... Well, I mean, he basically is dying yeah. right there, but he really looks like he's dying right there. Um, so Dr. Roberta Keogh is Rene Russo's character. She's a CDC scientist and Daniel's ex-wife. Jimbo, Alice, and Rudy die, but Keo determines that no one else in Boston was infected. Therein lies the problem, because you think to yourself, just like Colonel, um, whatever his name is, Rhodes, or the uh, Morgan Freeman's character. Yeah, General. Thought, well, it's contained. You've already, the, the village is dead. There's nobody else, because remember when he said, um, when he, just going back to the village, when he said, well, did anyone else get out of the village? He said, well, if they did, they would be dying or dead in the jungle right now. Yeah. Because he said it's, it's 50 miles to the to the nearest town. Yeah, that's why they felt safe eradicating that village 
or whatever, no, no, or, the, or the, not the, eradicated, but they knew it wasn't going anywhere else in Kyoto or wherever that was. Yeah. Um, because they weren't anywhere near anyone else. Yeah. So when he said the village is dead and there's nobody else that, that's yeah. cut out of here, and if they did, they're dying. Yeah. It was like okay. So when when he does present it to Morgan Freeman, and he goes, "What well, to General Ford?" And he goes, well, okay, so Sam, you said it's contained. No worries. We're not going to put out an alert. But then, of course. But as... I wonder what about the medical people once they leave, once everybody else has died? Could they be carriers? Well, no, I, I always thought that like with most things, you know, and let's even look along the lines of, of cancer. You know, once the once the body is dead, the cancer is dead. It's it's a dormant virus. Not well, no, like, 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 that's one of the reasons why they have, you wash everything. Like if you go grocery shopping, you're supposed to wipe down everything before you put it away, like any food and the boxes that food come in and stuff, because it can, the virus can live on surfaces for days. Yeah. But with regards to a person dying, I believe that one. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that the people that were treating them were not sick yet, but they've been exposed to it. So if they then leave, would they then become carriers? No. I don't believe so. Mm. I think once they exhibit signs of infection and they die, the the body is dead. The the the, the virus is gone. You're missing the question. No, I'm not missing the question. I'm I'm just merely saying that. Okay. You... Okay. Well, it's sort of like um, how you're a medical courier and you're going into doctor surgeries all the time. Yeah. And you have you know whatever natural immunity to stuff and but you're exposed to it and you come home and you hug and kiss me and i don't have all of those things because i'm a, a higher risk person and i end up getting the flu even though you're fine but you brought it home to me yeah yeah i know that's what i'm so, saying they yeah, can so act I'm, like that so in that regards i am a carrier of a disease yeah so i'm saying the meta the people that were treating these villagers if they go somewhere else they could potentially spread the disease even though they themselves are not sick yeah Although the guy did say to to um, uh, to uh, Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman's thing, uh, character that um, don't worry, it's not airborne, and he was walking around without protecting gear on. But I'm still so saying it still could be on his clothing, on his yeah. hands, on his, you know. Oh yeah, it could absolutely. Um, so a hospital technician in Cedar Creek is infected when he accidentally breaks the vial. Of Rudy's blood, the virus quickly mutates into a strain capable of spreading like influenza, becoming airborne and causing a number of people to be infected at a movie theater. Daniels flies to Cedar Creek against Ford's orders, joining Keo's team with Shula and Salt. As they begin a search for the monkey, the army quarantines the town and impose martial law. Shula is infected when his suit tears and Keo accidentally sticks herself with a contaminated needle while treating him. Yep. Therein lies the problem, as she said. She knows how to deal with needles. She's done it all, all the time. But when, as she said, I should have just waited because he was convulsing on the bed and he stopped. This is this is um, Kevin Spacey's character, Shula. When he was convulsing on the bed, when he actually had contracted the disease, they were trying to bring his temperature down because he was running at, a, at 106 and she was just putting a line in and she... Should have just waited just that little bit I mean, longer. why would you try to put a line in someone who's convulsing anyway? I don't know, because at that stage he was able – that um, Dustin Hoffman's character, Daniels, managed to, to stop him from convulsing because he's got so much ice in him and he's saying, Casey, Casey, look at me, look at me, and gets him to stop convulsing at that moment. Yeah. And as he's talking to him, he's trying to basically 
almost take his mind off of what's going on yeah. while she's putting a line in. Right. As she puts the needle in and she comes out, he convulses and flicks the needle up towards her and wham, sticks yeah, her with the needle. But that's what I'm saying. Why would you be trying to put a line in when someone's convulsing anyway? You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. But as she said, I, I've handled needles so many yeah. times. Why did I do that now? Because she's an idiot. But going back to the um, hospital technician, this is why people say, always keep your mind on your work, whether you're working in an office, where you're, whether you're working in a factory. This guy's working with, with bloods. Yeah. It's in a well, centri- and I don't understand why he wasn't wearing protective gear anyway. Well, you don't have to. See, in a centrifuge, what happens is, and I've, and I've spent 21 years around centrifuges, what happens is that when it's spinning, when it stops, it gives a beep and then it, it slows down, right? Now, he's not even concentrating because he's, he's listening to a baseball game going on. Mm-hmm. And as he opens the lid, he puts his hand in and then, of course, the centrifuge it's still is still moving. spinning. It's like 3,200 revolutions a second or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's enormously fast. So that's immediately how he, he gets sprayed with all the blood. So what they did is... Because years- when he touched it, it broke one of the, the vials. Oh, it would have broken all the vials because he put his hand straight through the center of them. Oh, okay. But what what they did now is centrifuges now have a lid where you, where, when you close it, it locks and you can't actually grab it because there's no way to grab it. It's all housed inside of the centrifuge. Oh, so the, in other words, somebody saw this movie and made an adjustment to the centrifuge so you can't open it until it stops. Yeah, I really think they do because what happens is when it stops, it goes beep, 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 and then the, the um, lid pops open. Yeah. And then you can open the lid because then everything in, in the center view just stopped. Right. So this lid that he, that he had, which was basically just a very flimsy lid to put down over it, because he's not concentrating and he's not paying attention to what he's doing, he lifts the lid and puts his hand straight through the center of it and gets hit by all the blood vials. Yeah, if I was him, I'd be, I won't say the S word, I would be crap scared about the fact that I was, I had got something because as he said, what about HIV? What about influenza? What about, he didn't know what was in that. I mean, yeah. he hit it and all the blood went everywhere. Yeah. So and he he, and I mean, he, he did the right thing and, and rinsed off and did everything properly, but I don't remember him actually reporting that to anyone either. No, he went because to the doctor. Because if he had, he probably would have been put in isolation just in case. Yeah. Cause he went to the doctor and he was wiping, he was cleaning him out and he goes, well, what about HIV and whatever? And he goes, well, you know, We'll test for everything. Yeah. But he didn't know that Rudy's blood was actually in the centrifuge at that time. So he but had no but, but but regardless, you think they would have stuck him in isolation for like a week just until to see if anything showed up before they let him expose to anybody else. No, they wouldn't have done that. Really? Yeah. No, they don't Especially do that. working in an infectious disease center? Yep, they don't do that. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. If you put your hand into something like that and you get you know, a blood splatter like that. And it went into his mouth because he yeah. opened his mouth. Um, they would test you for everything. Um, you would go through a, a battery of tests and then they would just put, they would just basically work with what they've got as the symptoms start showing. They would not put you into isolation for no apparent reason because they don't know whether you've got anything or not. Well, that, but that's the thing is, you know, I would take, I, I would say, okay, then isolate at home until we know if you have anything or not, just to err on the side of precaution, because we do have all these highly contagious things going along. I wouldn't say, go ahead and go back out in the community and just do whatever. Just I mean, it's like, you know, with COVID testing, you don't know if you have it or not, but they tell you to stay home until they go know for sure. Yeah, I know. and So I would have told them to stay away from people until we know for sure. You know, at, at, at my work, if I want to, at any time of the day or night, I can walk through the infectious, in the infectious disease section of my company. 
and we have got stuff that you know you touch it and you well that makes me feel really safe thanks hon no i could walk i don't not that i do go walking through there but i can as an employee and i've been there for as long as i have been and i won't ever mention the company um, but I can walk through there. If I wanted to, I could infect myself very easily with what I can go through. Right. But the fact is, though, that if you're if you're following precautions, there's no reason to think that you are exposed. Exactly. But this guy was potentially exposed to God knows how much. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's a totally... Anyway. Yeah. But as okay, I said, let's they not beat that dead that. horse. So, you know, as it comes to the fact that um, she was stuck with a needle, um, now she's got this the, the situation that's happening they don't know what is happening in cedar creek they've got no idea what what they're exposed to because they've got no because when when it first came out that there was everything was determined to be everything was clear in boston and then suddenly they're all celebrating it's like oh fa- fabulous everything's done and then they get a, a report from the army saying we've got 15 new cases of an unknown origin in cedar creek yeah because the poor um pet store owner he collapsed and, and, was and that was sick. how that was how this guy, this uh, the hospital technician, got splattered with his blood. Yeah. So they just think that it's an influenza, but it's a rapidly fast-moving influenza. Yeah. They don't really know what it is. Well, originally they thought it was the, the Hatha virus or something, or the Hunter virus. Hunt- yeah, but they had no, but they had no idea at that stage. Yeah. Um, it, well, it mimicked it. It did. It, the, the, the symptoms mimicked it. Yeah, exactly. When Ford provides an experimental serum which cures the original strain, that's the original strain of the Metaba virus. Yeah. Daniels realizes that his superiors were aware of the virus before the outbreak. Yep. I'm just going to stop there for a second because this is, this is, and I'm, and I'm not a military person. I've never been a military person. I never will be, but I'm sure that there is military in the military out there now that have got these viruses, you know, that things have done like this, that they could have stopped it at the door at the doorstep, but they, as you said, they want to weaponize, this these viruses to see how far they were going to go well look at anthrax yeah but in in saying that though with them weaponizing this stuff there's always the possibility that it can get out of control and i will and i will say and i'm not being trying to be political on this podcast today but i still maintain that the covid19 vaccine was a weaponized um virus don't let let's not go there I'm just saying. I let's not go there. All right. We want to keep this fun. It is. And this is why it's the home class movie chat with with Cat and Paul, a married couple. Not political. I'm not being political. I'm just um, saying that suspicions and 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 everything. But let's, I'm just saying just that when there's a situation where the military has a weaponized virus, they can sometimes not exactly know what they've got. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it is possible for things to get out and everything else. Yeah. But we're not saying that we think that that's what happened with COVID. Let's move on. Okay. Do you know how many times you say move on in a podcast? Do you know how many times you start trying to beat a dead horse or go into places you shouldn't go? Well, leave me with the dead horse. It's fun. Okay. That's just real... sick. What? Dead what was horses that? Are... Okay. That's just sick, honey. There's nothing wrong with dead horses. Daniels realizes that his superiors were were the virus outbreak. Yeah, Daniels learns about the operation Clean Sweep. Now, what was what is Clean Sweep? Okay, so Clean Sweep is um, basically what they did to that village back in 1967, where they said, "Okay, we have this virus, let's contain it," and they just dropped the one step down from a nuclear bomb on the area, and it just wiped everything out within like a five mile radius. So that's what they're planning on doing with Cedar Creek. Yeah. 
they figure that the only way instead of trying to um save the people basically let's kill the people yeah because that way anyone who's been exposed is already gone all the military people have been um covered wearing masks and everything so they haven't been exposed there was that scene where the two the people in the two trucks were trying to get out yeah and they're the the ones that are the problem that would spread viruses and that's why they elected to do something like clean sweep is because they can't trust the people not to be stupid about it are you sure that you sure they weren't doing the clean sweep just to eradicate the virus that and because well think about it I mean, and and even looking at some of the things that have gone on over this last year, you can't trust people to do what they're told is in their best interest. Yeah. Because okay. it does... so, so for example, you had um, this one truck that had like three guys in it and they were like, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me to stay inside. You're not going to tell me to wear a mask. I'm going to do what I want and damn it, I won't leave. And they grabbed their buddy and said, hey, follow us. We've got a way out of here. And they broke through the barricade. They drove through a uh, barn, through a fence, and were headed for the woods. And the military um, copters came in front of them and were like, no, you're not going anywhere. Stop the vehicle. They fired a warning shot. They fired a warning shot. And so the the guys in the lead pickup truck that were like, you're not going to tell me what to do. They pull out their shotguns and they start shooting back at the helicopters and the guys in the helicopter are like why is he being so stupid we don't want to do this and they're like this is your last warning stop and turn around or stop and get out of the vehicle and they just kept going and they blew up the truck yeah and by that stage um, the military is allowed to use uh, deadly force extreme force and so the other car was a parent and parents and two children and they're like stop the vehicle they're like okay you know but you can't people will not always do what is in their best interest and in that case before it got completely out of control what was in their best interest was to stay home stay in their homes and not get anywhere near this thing but as you've said in in what you've been saying is that there are always that cross-section of the community that sits there and goes well you're going to take away my constitutional rights I want to do what I want to do, and I'm doing yeah. this. And they and they they actually showed a scene in the the White House war room that said if this were allowed to get out of that valley, it would be across the country within 48 hours. Yeah, the entire country would be exposed within 48 hours. So if you're going to say to these, I mean, what are the chances that you say to these people that live in this town? Okay, there's this deadly virus that's here chances are if you don't have it now you're not going to but we need you to stay here for at least the next six weeks like in your home not going anywhere do not leave the town for at least six weeks until we know that this has died out because there was that scene of that lady that that they said hang a a white sheet on the front of your door i'm getting to that okay i'm getting to that but I'm just saying, if okay, so let's say it's in the town. We know it's in the town. We know it's deadly. We know it's scary. And we want you to stay in your homes in this town for the next six weeks so that we know that it's contained, we know it's died out, and then life can go back to normal. Yeah. How many, How what percentage of that town would you say, you know what, I think I'm going to go up and visit my mom in San Francisco? 
What percentage? And get, and get away from this. <laughs> I'd probably say 25% of the town would do that. At least. Yeah. Which is exactly, but they would say, you know, unless, we, if we don't want it to spread to the rest of the country, you have to stay within the town borders. Yeah. But, but if 25... they didn't have the military there enforcing it, how many of them do you think would have left? Yeah. And there is that 25% of- At least. Would sit there and go, I'm immune to it. And this is why I was saying to you when they said, if you're starting to feel sick, hang a white cloth on the front door, uh, on your front door so we know we can come and get you. Yeah. There was that scene where the lady- was with her husband and her two daughters. The husband and daughters were not sick. Yeah. But she was. But she was. So this is why I'm saying that when I had swine flu and my ex-wife had swine flu, my son didn't. So yeah. there is obviously an inherent... Um, resilience to that. Resilience to yeah. certain viruses. And it's the same way as I can walk into doctor's surgeries and walk through people coughing and spluttering and I don't have the flu, but I come home and I give right. it to you. But, th but, this is, but this is also why they do develop the vaccines is because even if you don't get sick, other people can. Yeah. yeah. You know, and this is, this is part of that whole thing, you know, and just because you're not getting sick doesn't mean you couldn't transfer that to someone else. And that's why I, and that's why it's like, well, I'm not, this is why I'm saying if they told you, even though you're healthy, you need to stay here for another six weeks, how many people would look at it and go, yeah, but I'm healthy. I can leave. Yeah, twenty five percent would at least. Yeah, yeah, but that's but that's why the military would consider doing something like Operation Clean Sweep is because you can't trust people not to, to, to do that. Yeah, and this bomb is apparently was going to incinerate the town and its residents. Now, I just going back to the war room, just for instance, for for a moment. The guy that was saying that, you know, you guys are going to be standing toe to toe with the president. You're not going to sit there and say, I was the only person of reason. I didn't want this done. Yeah. He said, I read the, con I re I've read the constitution cover to cover. It does not, this in the constitution does not stipulate that you are allowed to do this. Was it the depriving of the life liberties and. Yeah. That everyone is entitled. You're not allowed to deprive anyone of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And he said, you know, if this is the only option, if this is the only possible way that we're going to eradicate this, this we have to be unanimous in this decision. And yeah. the president needs to know that there was absolutely no other option to go down. Yeah. Now, now what I the if that movie were being made today, the way I could see that going down would be if there was a way to. Okay, because you had all the news people there saying, oh, well, there's this virus, there's this, there's that. Yeah. Um, I would I would actually, if they were making that movie today, I think what they would do is they would spin it and say that there has been something that is, there's been an, a terrorist incident. We're not sure exactly what it is. We're locking it down to try and contain it. And then they would, and then if they did do something like Operation Clean Sweep, they would somehow make that into an um, a terrorist attack of some sort. That way and to blame cover it, it up. on another country. Yeah, to cover it up. That's what I, you know, that, I I think that would be a, a, a scenario if that movie were being made today. Because it says it says that the with the incineration of the town, it's to prevent the Metaba's expansion to a pandemic proportion. So yeah. it's already it's already really a pandemic proportion in Cedar Creek anyway. Well, it, it's it's an epidemic in City Creek. It is not a pandemic until it spreads to a certain point. Yeah. 
then it becomes the, yeah the talk which is um but it's like but it's like with what happened in wuhan um with the the covid 19 if they had realized what was going on and locked it down because what happened was you had like this big um holiday that came up within a couple of months of it first occurring when people started traveling it was like the equivalent of american thanksgiving where everybody travels that's right it was the chinese new year no it wasn't chinese new year um because that because it was still it was at the end of the year it was it was another major chinese holiday yeah and unfortunately i apologize i'm not culturally aware enough to remember what that was neither am i um but people were traveling all over asia and that's what started the pandemic is people traveled to other areas exposing other people on flights and in airports and in cities and then those people traveled and those people traveled and those people traveled and within the space of three to four weeks it was worldwide I would say the next, I'd say international travel will not get back to, back to normal within the next three years. No, I, I, I overheard a woman, years? I overheard a woman the other day talking, saying that she wanted to go back to Korea and she's, and she was told that they're not going to be, that she's probably not going to be able to um, have travel with Korea until at least 2024. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So the next three years. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I mean, but, but, but let's, let's stay out of real world okay. scenarios and stick with the movie. So McClintock, now a major general, plans to use the Operation Clean Sweep to conceal the mutated virus. That's Donald Sutherland. Yes, Donald Sutherland. Uh, The mutated virus uh, existence so the original strain can be preserved for use as a biological weapon. Yep. Exactly what I was saying. To prevent... Yeah, because it's the mutated strain that's gotten out of control. It is. It's it's almost like the cousin to the Motaba virus, but it's way way more potent. Yeah, And, and it was... Interesting how Cuba Gooding Jr. His character, he he was the one who found the mutation. Yeah, he did. It was um, how did he find that one? I can't because that well, they were looking at um, a sample oh, of um, the, the sixty-seven slide. The sixty-seven slide versus um, the one like they got, a, like like um, Kevin Spacey's character's blood or something. That's like that. right. And they found that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, and they brought the other monkey back from the pet store. And they were looking at that one, and it had the original virus. That's right. It wasn't it hadn't a host. mutated yet. Yeah, yeah. To prevent Daniels from finding a cure, McClintock orders him arrested for carrying the virus. So basically, it was because um, Daniels got out of Cedar Creek and flew in a helicopter with Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. To try and find where this monkey is. Yeah, because they like, had identified that it was the monkey that was the host. Yeah, and they're like, okay, to stop him from, you know. Uh, not being allowed to do clean sweep, we're yeah. going to arrest him to make sure that he never gets the, the cure. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Daniels escapes before him and Salt fly a helicopter to the sea to find a ship carrying the monkey. That was actually rather interesting trying to find where it originated from. Yeah, it really was. And they did finally track it down to the security guard that um, uh, no, Patrick the- Dempsey bribed didn't you know that that's how the animal got out of the original holding facility from because they tracked it down that it was shipped from Africa it was on this particular ship and then they went back to that to try and find out what happened to that and then um, realized that it had been uh, and then while they were tracking that down they got word of the security guard that um, they oh, that's that, right. that that let that said yeah this guy bribed me to take out something I don't know what it was but it was small 
and then they figured out that he couldn't sell it. And then they tracked it to the pet store. And then they're like, okay, well, obviously he couldn't sell it here, but somehow this other monkey got exposed to it, got the original virus from it. And then he got sick. So before he um, went to the airport, he must have released it. So what's near here? Oh, Palisades National Park. Yeah. He must have released it into the wild. And then they track it down that this little girl has made friends with it. And they find oh, the address and they go to see if they can get the monkey. Yeah, because Daniels obta- obtains a picture of the monkey and releases it to the, to the media. At Palisades residence, Mrs. Jeffries realizes that her daughter Kate has been playing with the monkey, which she named Betsy and calls the CDC. Daniels and Saltz arrives at the Jeffries house where Salt tranquilizes Betsy after Kate coaxes her out of hiding in the woods nearby. When he learns from Daniels about Betsy's capture, Ford delays the bombing. Which he yeah, should've. so Morgan Friedman calls off the bombing, knowing yeah. that it's possible. Yeah, because he's like, "Don't do the bombing. I've got, we've got the host." And yeah. he's like, well, but in the meantime, what? Donald Sutherland goes up in a hel- in a in a fighter helicopter with another one to take down um, Dustin Hoffman. And I love that Morgan Freeman gets up right up in there, and he's and and, t- and oh no, th- they actually got away from him in some very creative ways. Then they're going to try and stop the 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 bomber. And more and Morgan Freeman gets in there and he's like, if you get right in their way, they can't complete their mission. So don't you do that. There will be repercussions. And Donald Sutherland was like, you just told them how to stop them. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the fa- best parts of the movie. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like what? And he goes, you just told him how to stop it. Oh, well. Oh, did that- I? <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> On the return flight, Daniels and Salt are chased by McClintock in another helicopter. Salt fires two rockets into the trees to deceive him into thinking they crashed. Once back at Cedar Creek, Salt mixes Betsy's antibodies with Ford's serum to create an, well, obviously an antibody for the the virus. Okay. Now, absolutely, totally 100% plausible. Yeah. They could extract the antibodies from the monkey's blood. They could mix it with the original serum that cured the first monkey. And we've got now got an anti-serum. And now we have an anti-serum. I totally agree with that as a plausible concept, knowing absolutely nothing about how this kind of medicine works. Yeah, but this is where it falls off the rails a bit. But please explain to me how that can all happen in under 30 minutes. It can't. It's not possible. It's not possible. That would take months. Not to mention the fact that Rene Russo has, has come down with this thing and it's basically three days between exposure and and death and she's been hanging on for over a week uh i don't think it was that long well but it, even so she should still be dead but, yeah, by the time yeah. they get the anti the anti-serum she would be too far gone to be able to recover from this because she should have been liquidating inside yeah she should have definitely been um not that i as i said i'm not a virologist so i do not know but I know from, from my situation, what I see in the lab is that any sort of uh, trying to decipher what's going on in a person doesn't take the space of an hour. Because, I mean, just to over... be able to pull out the antibodies, it that should have taken weeks. It, yeah, it would take at least two to three weeks. Yeah. And then from there, it's you've got to have some testing to see if it actually is going to work. Yeah. Because then, you know, what could happen is that they could put that into Rene Russo and go, okay, see how we're going. Her either, she would either increase in her um, being able to get well, or she would suddenly start to decrease. Yeah. You don't know. But even so, it's been at least a day or two. 
And by that point, um, what's his name? Kevin Spacey was already starting to bleed out of his ears and eyes. Yeah. So, you know, she just looks like crap, but she should have been bleeding out as well. Because if you remember Morgan Freeman, when he had the um, E1101, that was the, the original mm -hmm. serum. And they were trying to work out whether the original serum was going to actually going to work on this strain. Um, Dustin Hoffman says, well, you know, I, 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 I only need to make a phone call to, to a virologist to find out what I can find out about this E1101. And they're watching it because he's already put it into a patient and then the patient dies. And, and um, Morgan Freeman says, don't waste your phone call, Sam. It obviously didn't work. Yeah. So at that moment, he knew that this strain was not the original Metaba strain yeah. of 1967. This was a way more potent one that the the eleven oh one yeah um, was not going to work on the this this strain exactly so obviously that was the reason why they yeah they you know to so to to sit there and try and synthesize um, a cure that's going to take more than an hour yeah which now, is what it took because it um, uh, Donald Sutherland and the other one they they sat there for you know a good half an hour or so trying to figure out if the if Dustin Hoffman's helicopter had crashed and then finally realized it was whatever and then it, so it brought them their time to get back to Cedar Creek and to start synthesizing all of this but even so that's only a mat I mean because because where they crashed and where they were was only about it was within an hour yeah you know, so it, at most they might have had a couple of hours. That's it. Yeah, so it wouldn't have given them enough time to no. take the blood out of the, the monkey, synthesize it, and start well, well, identify in. it. Yeah, and then they've got to make sure because they've got to make sure that that monkey is the one that's carrying both strains. Exactly. So that's a matter of looking it under the microscope and identifying that yes, this has the antibodies, and that would mean taking the blood and putting it into a um, a current host of the virus yeah. to seeing if it kills it. Yeah. Now, that was, as, as Cuba Gooding Jr. said in the original thing, uh, I'll have the blood cultures in a couple of hours. Yeah. So there's a couple of hours just to just to get the sample. Just to culture it, yeah. Yeah, and then you got to synthesize yeah. it, and then you got to see if it you works. Know, and, I, and I get that that doesn't work for the movie, but still. <laughs> you know? But realism would be, hey, here's an idea. Let's make it a little bit more realistic than that. You, you know, but, but, then, but then again the bombing of an american city i mean i i get the premise that they were working under is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one oh yeah i know that Absolutely. okay and that to save billions of people they need to take out 2600 yeah but i would just hate to be that person that makes that decision to to release that, that but bomb. You know, but the, you know, and, and, and the fact was that they did keep information from the president, you know, forcing him into that decision, but I still have a really hard time seeing them doing something like that on American soil. Yeah. But I look at the, wasn't there the guy that released the bomb in Hiroshima was still haunted years after he oh, yeah. had done that? Um, he was never the same again. The, the pilot or the... Yeah. Yeah. The guy that released oh, yeah. the bomb in the Hiroshima. Well, and, that, and they actually addressed that in the film. It was really interesting because they came, as they were getting ready to start the mission to do the bombing, they're like, this is a pivotal point in history. This is a crucially important mission. We don't want to be doing this. We don't like the fact that we have to do this. But the reality is, is that we are doing this. Yeah. And 
you need to know that this is vitally important to the health of our nation and you know and 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 all this stuff to make them say you know it's like we know you don't want to do it but you have to do it anyway but as they did say donald sutherland had not given the president all the information because once he knew that daniels had the 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 monkey on board Mm -hmm. and that he he could actually save the town and actually cure it his idea was well no it's easier just to detonate it and get rid of it rather than actually cure it yeah yeah. You know, for future for future things. Not to mention they already had the new virus so they could weaponize that one too. Exactly. Yeah. So Kevin Spacey's died and they save Rene Russo's character, yep. Dr. Keo. McClintock returns to base and resumes Operation Clean Sweep, refusing to listen to Ford. Daniels and Salt fly their helicopter directly into the path of the bombers approaching to its target. Which is what Morgan Freeman told them to do so, because there would be repercussions because they wouldn't be able to continue on their mission if they flew right in their path. Yeah, if, you, if you're right there, they cannot release the weapon. Best <laughs> game of chicken ever. Yeah. With Ford's help, Daniels persuades the bombers' oh. flight crew. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Well, I was going to say, this, and this is the thing, is he was telling the flight crew of the bomber please don't do this we have the cure on board the president does not know all the, the pre- facts yeah the president doesn't know he doesn't have all the information and please he wouldn't don't allow follow this. through with these orders because you're killing people f- without re- justification yeah for no reason because yeah. if, if the president knows what they've got that, that we can actually cure the town yeah he wouldn't go down this yeah path. so it's like please don't do this we have the cure so he uh so daniels persuades the bomber to detonate over the water Actually, he, actually, he didn't persuade them. They played this awesome game of chicken, and at the last second, the bomber veered off and, to course correct, went out over the water. And while they were there, they released. And um, Donald Sutherland comes on, and he's like, um, "That was the an incorrect uh, um, whatever." And the pilot's like, "Well, sir, it must have been wind shear." That's right. That was odd, aw- and you're like, "Yeah, these pilots <laughs> have a conscience." Before McClintock can order another bombing, Ford relieves him of his command and orders his arrest. Daniels and Keo reconcile as Cedar Creek residents are cured. And, 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 and another one of the best moments in the film is there was a colonel that Donald Sutherland kept being an absolute jerk to and oh, yeah. just being absolutely horrible. And Morgan Freeman turns to the colonel and he's like, Colonel, thus and such, can you please take him into custody? And uh, Donald Sutherland looks at him and says, oh, this must be one of the happiest moments of your career. And the colonel just looks at him like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> just smiles and goes, yes, it is. Oh, he didn't say anything. He didn't no, acknowledge he the comment at all, but it was just like, oh, yeah. But but the smile gives it away. The smile just says wonder- it all. <laughs> just how wonderful this is that I can kick your ass. Yeah, that you're a jerk and I get to put you in handcuffs. So on a movie review of zero to five, zero being, can I get the last two hours of my life back to five being, I want to watch the movie as soon as the credits roll. What are we going to give this one? I would say about a three and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning to about a four. I wouldn't want to watch it immediately straight away. I think I'll watch this maybe once a year when I um, see it. I'm glad I saw it. I actually never saw it the first time it came out. When we watched it, it was the first time I had seen it. Yeah. Um, I think there were things that were very implausible. Definitely. the Definitely synthesizing the serum was... Important. Yeah, in like an hour. It's like, yeah. okay, that's, that's way out there. Yeah, and I think that there were things that... Like the Operation Clean Sweep thing, I get it because it adds tension and everything else, but I didn't think that that was necessarily integral to the film. No, it wasn't. It just gave, 
it just showed you the links that some military will go yeah. to to try and contain stuff. There, there were there were things about it that I felt were extraneous to the actual story. Yeah. Um, the whole relate. I mean, I enjoyed the relationship and the banter between Renee Russo and Dustin Hoffman as ex-husband and ex-wife, and the fact that Dustin Hoffman gives it away that he is still in love with Renee Russo when he's talking to Morgan Freeman at one point. And he's like, my wife is one of the ones who's sick up there and you you want to vaporize this place. And Morgan Freeman looks at him. He's like, well, isn't she your ex-wife? This goes to how you tend to hyperbolize things yeah. and exaggerate yeah. things. you know. And that was a very thoughtful thing. And at the end of it where, you know, and, and but I did like the fact that Rene Russo, I, 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 I did, but I didn't because you almost get the feeling like Rene Russo is going to get back together with Dustin Hoffman. And it's like, no, there are reasons why you left this guy. And yeah, those are I mean, and those have not changed. No. I mean, it could be just that immediate, immediate decision of like, well, you know, I was so close to death and, and, you know, and, life is, but yeah. I, and I, that I, skews things, yeah. but you know, the, you know, so there were things that did, that didn't resonate for me. Maybe give oh, it two years down the track, they would have separated yeah, again. But overall and 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 i loved the scene in the beginning where cuba gooding jr is like when they first went to africa to for the with the original outbreak in zaire yeah in zaire um where he's like i've seen everything i can handle this it's fine i know what it's going to be and they're like well it's one thing to read it in a book and it's something else to actually see it in 16 hours you're going to see it <laughs> yeah and and he's like i'm fine i'm fine he walks in there he's fine until he sees the child sitting in the bed crying with his two dead parents next to him yeah and that's when and then he, he lost loses it. it and then he realizes that this child is in the process of dying as well yeah and then and he when loses he... it and that's when he opens up his his hat and or his helmet, and Dustin Hoffman says, "That's it, isolate him." And the guy comes in and goes, no, "Don't it's worry, not he's not airborne. Yeah, so he's fine." But as as Cuba Gooding Jr. said, you know, I don't, I'm sorry, what happened? And he goes, "I was just so scared." And he goes, and Dustin Hoffman says, "Well, I don't want anyone working with me that's not scared because." There's stuff that can kill you. And he's like, well, then I guess I'm the best man for the job. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and, I'm terrified. And, and I loved that moment between the two. two again, though, slightly not realistic. Um, knowing what I, I do know of military personnel. that that, that And it sh speaks a lot to Dustin Hoffman's character that he ignored the fact that Cuba Gooding Jr. was crying. Yeah. And Cuba Gooding Jr. was trying to process what he had been through he was feeling ashamed for showing that weakness because that is not something the military encourages yeah especially american military and it was a very human moment i think but dustin hoffman because him and his team have so been so conditioned to see this sort of stuff that it's basically second nature whereas well, well, but he that was a, and and even though he's a colonel he's not really military he's not He's not, he's not military first. He's medical first. Yeah. He's a medical doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And he's more human and he reacted in a more human supportive way because in any other army movie, it would have been buck up soldiers, suck it up. Yeah. But in a, in a lot of regards, even with doctors now, like I remember, you know, when, and it, it's, I'm not having a go at doctors because I'm not, but there was, when I was, we were going through having Xander. 
and we went to a doctor who had graduated in 67 and he was so so what is this and what is that and this is this whereas we found a doctor that actually graduated in 94 and he looked at us dead in the dead in the eye and said what would you like to do yeah. you know and he was more personable back yeah. then it was basically all clinical you had your nose in the book for eight years yeah. you didn't know how to interact with people whereas the ones that have graduated now they the doctors who are graduating they, they basically have more people sorry I mean more time that they're actually with human interaction rather than just the books yeah, so, I, for, yeah. so for Dustin Hoffman's character He's still in the same way of being that military that that doctor that obviously graduated, you know, you know, back in those days, and he had to become very clinical and very, you know, this is this and this is that, yeah. and we don't show weakness. But he didn't lose his humanity over it. No, he didn't. Is the point because... that I'm making. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we think that was a good movie. Yeah, I thought that was. I a think good it was a great movie. movie. Not, not one I want to watch immediately again. No. No. Um, but. It was in some ways it was better than I thought it would be, but in some ways not as good as I would have liked to would have been. Yeah. So have we picked another movie to do next week or are we still in the process of figuring it out? Um, I think we were going to do, was it somewhere in time? Oh yes. Yeah. With, with um, Christopher Reeve Christopher and, Reeve. and yes. Christopher Plummer. Yes. So we're going to do somewhere in time. Yeah. I can't remember what year that was. It's uh i don't it was remember. in the 80s wasn't it yeah it was let's see imdb imdb my favorite place i bet i can get there before you i don't know damn it oh yes again 1980 80 okay cool. <laughs> uh, just because my internet's slow at the moment that's okay my, my too many fast. tabs open in my browser <laughs> but yeah so we're gonna do it was released in 3rd of october 1980 yeah and, and it's still one of my favorite movies i, I will say movie. I, I love this movie. I really do. And, you know, I'm, I'm by no means a normal person. Da, 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 yes. Da, 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 da. I love so when we movie. get when we get to it next week, mm -hmm. um, we will definitely do Summer in Time because that is, and I've, I always feel so sorry for, for poor Christopher Reeve, but we'll touch on we'll that. We'll get into that next we will, week. We will definitely touch on that. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing summer in time and that'll probably bring us up to around about my birthday coming up yes what movie and do you want to do for your birthday that's going to be blade runner yes your favorite movie that makes yes, sense my favorite movie not my all-time favorite movie but definitely oh i thought in, it was no my my okay it's blade runner and then it's value of the dolls yeah so yeah. my two favorite movies yeah other than horror movies but that's well, another podcast. That's, that's another podcast. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you back next week when yep. we do Somewhere in Time. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And in the meantime, we'll see you at the movies. See you later. Thank you for joining us for the Home Class Movie Chat with Kat and Paul. Opening music by Blue Mount Score and closing music by Tim Moore. Both can be found courtesy of Pixabay. We hope you enjoyed yourself today and will join us next time. If you did enjoy today's episode, please leave a review on the platform where you listen to this podcast.